Sloppy senders just don't get good inbox placement. They don't get good deliverability and they don't get good engagement. So uh, if you're not paying attention to bounces, you're sending a message that you're not a good sender and maybe what you're sending isn't really that important. Hello, and welcome to Talking Email with Postmark. I'm your host, Merrick Loader, and in today's episode, my guest, Anna Ward, the head of deliverability at Postmark, will give us a behind the scenes look at bounces. We'll discuss what bounces are, why they happen, and what you can do about them. In sharing this, we hope that you'll come away with some ideas on how you might be able to improve bounce handling for your business or side project. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Anna, thanks for joining me again on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Merrick. (laughs) So you've been on the show before, and we've already gotten a bit of backstory on how you ended up as a deliverability expert. And for those of you who may have missed this, be sure to check out episode three, where Anna talked to us about solving extreme email deliverability mysteries. So today, to kick things off, I figured it'd be fun to start with a fun fact about you. Anything interesting that you want to share with us? I was trying to think of a fun fact that wasn't actually a boring fact to everyone else. And I'm just I'm just going to choose an interesting fact because right now I'm trying really hard to learn how to grow different plants. And I have learned that I kill all of the easy ones. And it's just, I'm obsessed with like watering things and checking pH and moisture levels and stuff. And if you give me a succulent, I'm going to kill it. So I think that works really well with my job, my attention to detail and my obsession with things and over the little, little tiny things you can measure. So it's just my personality. And I think that's interesting. I love that. (laughs) We'll have to give you a a Christmas present, a book on how to take care of succulents (laughs) and desert plants. Yeah. (laughs) I I appreciate you sharing that little tidbit with us. So getting right into it, uh, let's kick things off with the basics. So when an email is delivered successfully to a person's inbox, can you tell us what's going on behind the scenes in the wacky world of SMTP to make that happen? Yeah, I was thinking about this question and I and I wonder if maybe I should start by talking about what SMTP is. And um, it was created in like the early 80s as a protocol for one email server to communicate with another email server, specifically like um, a server that's external to its own network. And it's The only way that you can send email in the world, all email is sent via SMTP across networks. So um, I know you might use Postmark or something and say like, oh, but I send via the API. Well, that API is just a call that tells our server to create an SMTP transaction on your behalf. So everything is SMTP. And when it was first created, people maybe manually were um, initiating these transactions. But now, of course... We have automated mail transfer agents or MTAs that process and send messages on every human's behalf. Um, And in Postmark's case, that MTA is running additional software to manage really large queues of recipients for many different senders at once. And so um, the MTA is responsible for looking up the the end recipient's exchange servers. That's like a receiving mail server, and it starts that connection with it via SMTP. And it's kind of adorable to watch. It's literally a back-and-forth, human-readable conversation. Like, hey, server, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. 
hey, can I send you a message? Yeah, sure, go ahead. And it's really human readable responses back and forth just like this, except they happen extremely fast. And um, at the end of it, they say goodbye. And that's it. Your message is, I guess, in that sense, during that connection, sent. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like there's a lot of a lot of moving pieces there. <laughs> Even though it's a single click on your computer, there's a tremendous amount of things happening behind the scenes uh, to actually get that email through to the recipient's inbox. Yeah, I think that the most important thing to note about this is that it's a single click from my Postmarks MTA to the recipient's MTA, but really there's a ton of hops that are happening and a ton of connections that happen just for one message. So generally a message is sent from um, an MUA, a mailbox, like a mail user agent, and that gets transferred to the MTA, so like maybe Postmarks MTA, um, and then that gets transferred to the receiver's MTA, which is like a receiving accepting MTA. And then that gets passed on to an MDA, which is a, a mail delivery agent, and that's to find, hopefully, uh, a local delivery option. So it's finding where that individual recipient is. But even after that, like um, because of forwarding and, and list serves and mailing lists and stuff, an MDA may even transfer it to another MTA and start a whole another chain of, of connections that have to happen. And so... That note that's already like five to six connections made just to sing a like just one single message, and that's not even considering all the extra hops and processes for spam filtering, firewalls and blacklist checks, um, authentication standards, encryption, um, of course that forwarding and listserv routing um, that mail today all all of these things that mail must go through. So. Um, Delivering a message, uh, you don't really know what's going to happen after that first initial connection from, we'll say, postmark to the receiver. But um, there's a lot of different things that can happen <laughs> and lots of different things that uh, the receiver wants to happen before it actually delivers the message. So it's important yeah, wow. to I, I did not have a sense of how many connections are actually happening behind the scenes to, to get an email from point A to point B. There are a lot of dependencies, right? There are a lot of things that have to go right. Um, perhaps we can start there. Um, can you walk us through what are the indications that let a sender know that a message has been successfully delivered? Uh, yeah, definitely. Because of SMTP, um, each of those connections, each of those hops from server to server, SMTP requires that there's some sort of relevant status about the success of that transaction. So if I send you a message via SMTP and I say, did you accept it? You're supposed to say yes, no, with some sort of information. But that means that status is only accessible to the machine that was involved in that most recent connection. So unfortunately, that means at the most basic level, um, seeing a success status on the hop from your MTA to the receiving MTA, that's the most real confirmation of delivery that most senders have. So that's, I got a 250 okay when Postmark connected with the recipient server. So I'm just going to assume that everything went okay from then on. <laughs> but, um, but now uh, people have tried to build on other indicators, of course, because we have HTML content now. So you can also track image downloads as opens. 
You can do URL tracking via redirection or UTM tracking parameters. Um, so that's click tracking. And then there's also um, third-party services that um, you can sign up for or that people download to manage their inboxes. And they will actually sometimes provide feedback to senders directly from your email client. So that's important to know when you download some clean up your inbox app, read the fine print and see if it's actually sharing your data with someone. Um, so there's uh, a lot of ways people have gotten around this idea that SMTP is only limited between the two servers having that conversation. And so they're trying to find ways to get that feedback more directly from the end recipient. So to, so to be clear there, I mean, because I think that's really interesting, right? So ultimately getting that 250 okay back from the, from the receiving mail server, um, that effectively means that those five or six connections that may have been made to get to that point, clearly they were all successful if we got to that final stage. Yeah? Correct. But what's unfortunate here is that your visibility as a sender, as the original sender of the message, you may only have visibility into the statuses of the first two or three connections. The last three, six, a hundred connections, you don't necessarily get feedback on because you don't have access to those machines. So um, that's what I mean by um, you may see a 250 okay in postmark, meaning that a message was successfully delivered, but there could be some sort of failure later on that ends up making a message undeliverable. And so that's where these extra um, confirmations like uh, open tracking and click tracking, that's where they come in to try to help solve the mystery. Like, did it actually go somewhere? So that's, um, that's the magic of, of email, I guess, the mystery of it. <laughs> right. Just getting that 250 okay isn't necessarily uh, an accurate indication that the message did get it to the recipient's inbox. So that's where we start to then rely on these proxies, opens, clicks, things like that, which are more behavior-centric to let us know whether a message actually made it to the inbox. Is that is that a fair assessment? Yeah, that's a great way to put it, for sure. Okay. Let's talk about when emails bounce. When, a, when that happens, can you tell us what's going on behind the scenes? Sure. So um, I consider um, any connection or hop that fails – that's an undelivered message. So the message didn't get through, that step failed. And when you think of a bounce, you think of something coming back to you. So if you think about an undelivered message and then something coming back to you, I would define a bounce as any indication that a message in more or less real time wasn't delivered. And so you need some sort of indicator, some sort of information coming back to you to let you know about that undelivered status. And that's a bounce. Okay. So I think the key word there is any indication. Perhaps you can explain to us how this indication or this feedback gets back to the original sender. Can you walk us through that process? That's a really great question. Um, there's generally two ways to register a bounce. Um, the first one, which we kind of talked about, is the status during that connection, during that SMTP transaction of a failure. So um, you're saying your hellos and how are you to the next server, and the receiving server says, I'm sorry, I can't take this message for some odd reason. 
And immediately during that SMTP transaction, you can immediately log, this didn't work out, and you know it's bounced. Um, the second way to get a bounce is as an email reply that's sent later to the sender about the failure further down the road. And so um, we call these non-delivery reports or NDRs. And those reports, those emails, are sent whenever the, ser the receiver has time, um, usually in an automated way on some mail server, some software running there says, ah, this didn't work out, sorry dudes, and then it sends you that email response, and you can receive that to what we call the return path or the envelope from address, which is usually the address for another mail server that processes bounces. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, the common factors that cause bounces to happen. Can you, can you speak to that? Yes, definitely. So um, first, I feel like I should mention that um, while there are like RFCs and standards and practices on what information a bounce should include and the codes that represent each bounce type, um, technically receivers can still send back whatever they want. So bounce analysis is often more of an art and it requires a lot of trial and error and heavily customized processing. Just throwing that disclaimer out here. But <laughs> <laughs> but despite that, so with that said, um, I'm, I can go over the main reasons that a message bounces and some of those general categories. So um, the first category I would say is a hard bounce, which is a permanent failure. So permanent is the key word there. And the idea is that the sender will never be able to reach this recipient with any message. And so types of bounces that are hard bounces are maybe a bad or non-existent domain, like you did a typo, um, a non-existent end recipient. So maybe so maybe um, postmarkapp.com exists, but um, Gerard at postmarkapp.com doesn't exist. Um, and then there's also sender or IP reputation issues and blacklistings. And so those are often a hard bounce too because um, it affects all messages. It's a permanent failure. As long as you have this reputation issue, no message will go through. So um, permanent. They are um, serious bounces that you should seriously consider um, suppressing from your list or resolving immediately. Um, the second category is soft bounces, and so temporary failures, keyword temporary. And that means that the sender might be able to reach this recipient with their next message. So this one didn't work, maybe the next one will. And some, the most common example is a full mailbox. So someone hasn't checked in a while, they're on vacation. You send your next message next week and it'll be fine. Um, or sometimes, you know, they abandoned the mailbox, who knows. But it's considered temporary just because it could resolve itself. Then there's also spam and content-related rejections, and that's usually on a per-message basis. So maybe you link to something a little bit um, sketchy for the time being or something that was taken over. Um, there's also the idea that maybe you sent some phrasing or keywords that trends in spam right now are really sensitive to, and so you're, you're going to get rejected for now because of that message. But it's still a temporary issue. Your next message may not have that sort of issue. And then there's also um, this a little bit more rare. Some people aren't aware of this type of bounce. It's, a, it's called a challenge response. It could also be a hard bounce. It depends on how aggressive 
um, the receiver is, but the challenge response is usually saying, I don't know whether you're a spammer, so I'm going to send you a bounce, and if you can click this URL or go to this page or send me another message, um, you know, this is the challenge part of it, then I'll um, consider accepting future messages or the same message again. So it's, again, that's another temporary soft bounce sort of failure, and there's usually something you can do or try again later, and it'll be fine. And then the third one is a transient bounce, and this one is telling you to, to try again later with the same message. So like the sender should try sending the same message again, usually very soon. So maybe within 10 minutes, maybe um, immediately. Uh, some examples of that is just the receiving mail server is just way too busy. So if you have a lot of mail to send to a company and they manage their own mail server, um, they may say, wow, we can't process thousands and thousands of these at once. You got to slow down. And so um, that they'll send those bounces to tell you to redo the same message again. And then another type of transient is um, gray listing. And gray listing is typically a way to thwart spammers. They have this idea that a spammer may not be paying attention to bounces that much. And so if they say, hey, you might be a spammer, try again later, um, that spammer just considers that an undelivered message and doesn't try again. Whereas a legitimate sender will say, oh, but I'm not a spammer, I'm gonna try this again. And so they do and they get delivered. So um, those are the three types, hard, soft, and transient. And um, there could be some overlap, but that's, that's the, the big kahuna. Can you just quickly summarize, you know, kind of which of these bounce types are primarily related to sender behavior and which of them are really more tied to uh, the receiver side? Uh, yeah, so sender behavior, um, you'll get a bounce because of something that the sender did when it's uh, about reputation or when it's about list management. So list management is easy, like I'm sending to bad domains or I'm sending to old email addresses. Like those right. sorts of things are more likely to get bounces just because they aren't useful or aren't being used or don't exist. And then there's also um, the reputation-based ones. So if you've been sending a lot of mail that people just don't want, um, you may start seeing bounces where, you know, maybe Gmail says, we've been getting a lot of complaints about you and we don't want your mail anymore. And that will become a bounce. Um, hopefully that's extremely rare, but that's all on you. <laughs> and so uh, those are things you need to watch out for and, and try to correct because they can be corrected, right? Um, and the bounces related to recipient behavior, that would be their solutions for anti-spam or their maintenance for their domain or their server. So for example, if they're using a lot of blacklist providers and special um, anti-spam solutions and stuff, there's going to be a huge variation in bounces and how often they're sent back to you, how aggressively they're sent back to you. And sometimes if you're using an unreliable anti-spam solution, you could get a lot of false positives like, I'm rejecting you because you're on a blacklist. And then you look and you're not on the blacklist. And so that's something that their software needs to fix. They've, they've done a bad check there. Um, and then there's also their domain or, or server maintenance. Like if you let your domain expire or you've um, overloaded your mail server, um, those bounces can happen because the recipient 
needs to do some maintenance on their end. And that's out of your control. Cool. One thing before we move on with respect to the sender behavior and how that impacts bounces. Um, as you said, list management's pretty straightforward, right? You're sending to a bad domain, a bad contact, et cetera. Um, but on the reputation side, uh, you know, having a perhaps a poor, you know, domain reputation, um, are there, are there indicators of that? I mean, as it, in terms of how that would present as, as a bounce? So um, because receivers can put whatever they want in a bounce reply, sometimes there isn't any indication that hmm. the bounce is because of a reputation issue. That just comes with experience and um, maybe even reaching out or, or asking the receiver for help. Like, I don't understand why this is happening. Can you give me more information? And, and sometimes they'll say, oh, well, it's because we just don't like you or you've had some issues in the past or whatever it is. Um, you can figure that out kind of through roundabout ways. But a lot of times it is written in the bounce message itself. It'll say something like, um, we didn't like your content. This is content related. Or we're getting um, too much unsolicited mail from you. Or um, due to policy restrictions, <laughs> and, and you'll see that one a lot. Um, it's indicating there's more aggressive spam filtering and so you can um, look into how you might be able to change your messages or your sending practices to better accommodate these more aggressive anti-spam solutions. So sometimes you can't tell with a bounce, but sometimes it's really obvious. It sounds like there's a, a bit of a dance going on um, in order to, to kind of understand and decipher what might be contributing to to these bounces. I mean, I guess in your experience as a deliverability expert, you know, which would you say of these various bounce types, you know, cause the most confusion and, and, and why? Yeah, I would say the ones that are most confusing are definitely those reputation related ones. And then also those that um, are using some sort of customized anti-spam effort. Um, and that's because both of those are extremely subjective. So every single recipient you send to and every single message that you send to that recipient they're going to judge it a little bit differently. So the way Gmail feels about your mail is different from the way that Yahoo feels about your mail, which is different from the way that um, .gov addresses feel about your mail. And so each of these have their own idea about how you are as a sender. They have their own idea about how aggressive to be with senders. And so all of those anti-spam reputation-related bounces um, they can vary in what they say. They can vary in how often they're sent back to you. And, um, yeah, it's just you've got to have a lot of experience and, and just be really watchful for, for small trends. Um, and that's where the confusion comes. <laughs> Clearly, you know, as a sender, you're being judged by different mail clients and ISPs and, and anti-spam solutions. Um, it can probably get to the point where it's a bit overwhelming. If, I, if you kind of take the approach of, you know what, I can't do anything about this. Can we talk a little bit about, you know, what kind of the long-term impact of getting these types of bounces would have on a sender? I think that's a really important question because um, people often think of bounces as being the result of some sort of action that they've done. Like, oh, I've done poorly, so I'm getting a lot of bounces. Or I'm doing great, so I'm not getting a lot of bounces. But the bounces themselves are your behavior, and every rejection by the recipient or by the receiving server 
it affects their perception of you as a sender. So if they bounce you, they're like, this sender, I had to bounce them. I need to make a note of that. And a lot of them do. And the more you try to um, contact them when they don't want you to or try to reach people that don't exist, wasting their time, um, all of these things are a, a negative spot on your reputation with them and how mail in the future might be delivered. And so as a sender, you're most easily identified by your sending domains. We all know that, that sending domains have a reputation that they build and bounces definitely are a part of that. But also um, they may identify you as a sender by your content. So if you're if you have consistent branding or templates or something, if you try a different sending domain, you might still see poor um, performance because wow. your reputation is still tied to that content. They may also see certain links or URLs in your content and say, this is the same sender, or I hate people who send these sorts of links. And that same reputation is tied to it. Same thing with like where you host your images and files. Like that's another indicator to like identify senders that they don't want talking to them. And so um, anything you can do to minimize bounces is going to be positive for your reputation. And anything you do that ignores or <laughs> encourages bounces is going to negatively affect your reputation. So bounces are really important. That's actually just kind of amazing to think about the 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 profile that, you know, ISPs are, are able to kind of build and, and create around who you are as a sender, right? That may have, you know, little to do with your domain and may actually have more to do with your content or, the, you know, et cetera. I mean, are, are ISPs and mail clients, do they work collaboratively to, to kind of create these really robust profiles to make these types of decisions around bounces? I honestly, as a sender, I wish it was a little bit more collaborative, but uh, it's not. A lot of people, <laughs> like Gmail has its secret sauce that it's never going to share no matter what. And no matter how much Yahoo improves something, they're not going to share it with Outlook and Outlook isn't going to get to know what Gmail is up to. And it's just um, everybody has their own proprietary spice blend. And um, But a lot of them, I hear them talk about it um, as fingerprinting a sender. Um, little little hmm. things that um, little trends that may change over time um, indicators so that they can tell if you're the same sender even if you change um, ESPs or you um, need a new domain they can still kind of tell who you are and have some sort of reputation information about how much to trust your message. Wow. So, but I guess going back to your original point, right? It, it, because they they aren't as collaborative as maybe you would like them to be as a sender. It's a bit of an art with respect to kind of navigating how each of these different ISPs is going to ultimately treat you as a sender. Yeah, exactly. So, um, because of maybe your reputation issue at a specific receiver, you could get a lot of bounces from them, and maybe even really aggressive ones. Whereas to other receivers, you see no effect at all, and your mail gets delivered fine. Um, bounces are just like inbox placement. Like it varies all the time, no matter who you're sending to. And so, um, keeping track of it and monitoring it and, um, taking action when you see excessive bounces or strange bounces or unexpected bounces is the only way to do it. So with respect to taking action and, and making sure that you actually are 
being responsible with bounces. I mean, what would you say are some of the best practices for monitoring bounces? And are, are these practices different when you're sending, you know, from a third party ESP uh, service, like, you know, let's say a postmark versus sending from an internal mail server? Great question. So I'll start with managing your own mail servers because that's what I do. And so these are there are some best practices towards if you want to have a mail server and be any good at it, there's a few things that you need um, when it comes to bounces. Uh, the first one is a way to log the response of every SMTP transaction you make. So you've got to not only just do those transactions, but log every response and be able to um, store that somewhere easily accessible. And then you also need a way to receive and log all of the messages sent to your envelope from your return path address that's used for each SMTP transaction. So that's logging all of those NDRs, those non-delivery reports, and storing them somewhere. And so with those two sets of logs, um, you'll very likely need some software that can analyze those logged responses um, and filter them by category and general content, you know, parsing what, what they're talking about in the codes. Um, and then once you have that software that can parse and categorize, you need to apply all of that analysis to um, your retry policies, your list management, and anti-abuse efforts um, for future mail that's sent. So there's that's just like the basic, like what you need to... Um, manage bounces. It's from logging to analyzing and then applying that to how you send mail in the future. Yeah, it sounds like a, a lot of work. <laughs> it is and a lot of maintenance. <laughs> like you can set all this up, but you're still going to need to make adjustments as time goes and as you learn more. But if you're someone who uses someone else's mail server, which I recommend, <laughs> um, like the customer of an ESP, um, you really need um, an ESP that gives you visibility into every logged response to your mail, made human readable. So I know there's a lot of ESPs that may just say, oh, the message bounced and it was a hard bounce. And you don't really get any in indication about like, okay, what did, what did they specifically say? Was it an NDR? Was it a, was it a failure during the transaction? Like, give me some more details about what's going on. So try to find an ESP that gives you a lot of visibility into that um, so that you can come back to them and say, hey, this doesn't look right. Can you make adjustments? And that's really important to my job is feedback from our customers when they see something a little off. Um, I think that empowering um, the customers of an ESP, you're only going to make that ESP better and better because they can, <laughs> they're kind of like your own little QA team. <laughs> Before we move on off of that point, Anna, mm -hmm. you know, in, in you've worked for not only Postmark, but a couple other pretty large players in the ESP landscape. As you think about what Postmark does and how we present bounces, is there anything unique to how we present bounces that you think is actually pretty helpful with respect to sending email? Yes, for sure. Um, so not only does Postmark show um, a general category and tries to make those categories useful for analytics, so like you know, hard, soft, transient, autoresponder, like all these different types of bounce types that could happen that we're trying to make them relevant. Um, anyone who can log into their account and take a look at any one of those individual bounces and, and see the specific log of what exactly happened. And if it's an NDR, they can see the entire message, headers and all, where it came from. Um, and so a lot of that is great for not only updating your bounce processing, 
but also um, maybe taking it back to the recipient or the receiver to help them fix their issues too. So um, I think having that visibility can improve the entire email landscape. And I and there's a lot of customers of ours who have gone back or to their own mail servers or to their recipients' mail servers, and we've seen improvements and changes and in, in how they accept and deliver mail to their recipients. So it's a really positive change. Just I like I like giving information. <laughs> <laughs> cool. No, I and I didn't mean to you know make a shameless plug there. I just wanted to just help kind of paint a clear picture of how we actually present bounces at Postmark. So anything else there in terms of using a third party ESP? Um, so, so not only just seeing the, the bounces, but also having them um, process them into suppression options. So maybe you want to see a hard bounce um, always blocked going on, going, <laughs> always blocked. <laughs> what am I saying? Um, so maybe you want to see a hard bounce always blocked moving forward, or maybe you want to see those transient options automatically retried. So those sorts of things are, are things you want to see in your ESP, that they're they're not only just monitoring the, bo- the bounces and showing them to you, but they're taking action, direct action on them in a way that makes sense. And um, because of that, I, I want to mention, like, you may see a variation in how you act on bounces based on your message type. So, for example, as a transactional sender, um, we try to be a little bit more lenient because if there's a bounce that we want to block in the future, um, that could be someone's password reset message. That could be their purchase confirmation. And so we try to allow people to resend those whenever possible or to send future mail whenever possible. And the same thing with um, transients. We, we try to retry those much more aggressively than maybe a bulk sender would. A bulk sender may um, retry less often, give up sooner, and suppress more. And they should because that mail isn't as urgent or um, time sensitive. So yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot to consider when choosing your ESP. <laughs> it sounds like bounce handling is certainly one of those key considerations that should be factored in in the decision making. For sure, yes. Um, bounce handling is probably what I spend most of my day on as a deliverability expert is understanding bounces, analyzing them, and then trying to um, figure out if I'm wrong and if I need to reach out to the recipient directly for more insight. So, well, let, let's, I mean, let's talk a little bit more about that. I mean, with respect to, I mean, this is, as you said, something that's a huge part of, you know, your, your day to day as a deliverability expert. What are some of the biggest challenges that you have, you know, when it comes to understanding the root cause of bounces? So, yeah, great question. Um, for, for me, the, the most frustrating thing about bounces is, I would say, like, the playful way that some receivers um, use bounces, how they, you know, choose a random, seemingly random SMTP code. Like, they'll assign a, a 400 to a hard bounce, which is incorrect, or they'll make a bounce that has a 250, which should be a success. But then in the description, it says they didn't accept it. You know, just really sloppy. Like, um, uh, I like to think maybe they're trying to confuse or they're trying to be playful. Or maybe huh. it's just um, they didn't have the time or, or knowledge to, to make that as correct as possible. Vague descriptions. Sometimes I even see some 
that are really sassy, like little sassy things like <laughs> you're a spammer and you're never getting in here, you know, like little cute things. And that's great. And I, and I love it when, that people um, are able to do that. But for me, who processes a lot of mail, um, those sorts of responses are really hard for me to parse in an automated way. <laughs> so you got to keep your eye out for, for sassy jokes and bounce responses. And then, um, of course, another challenge is if, it is something more cryptic in the description. Maybe that's by design. You know, they want to thwart spammers after all. Is trying to understand um, if you aren't a spammer, what you need to do to get around that bounce, to make that bounce stop happening. And a lot of that is communication with the receiver. And so as a deliverability expert, um, we have a whole community of, of industry members trying to work together to improve how we communicate and how we talk about things and how we share information when possible, when appropriate. And so um, I have to make sure that I know someone at every major receiver and that they trust me and know that I'm going to um, do the right thing with whatever they tell me. Um, so that's, I have my own reputation <laughs> that I have to monitor and maintain um, so that we can process bounces properly. So just to add to that piece, would it be ill-advised to manage your own mail server if you didn't have somebody like you who has those relationships to be able to kind of remedy some of these deliverability issues? If you're a sender who, if you're a mail server that sends on behalf of many senders and you have a lot of volume and it's consistent, like th those sorts of things that it requires constant management and you really do need an, an expert to handle it. But if you are a single company and you want to have your own mail server just for your own mail, sending from your own employees, from your own domains, um, it may be less of a of a need just because um, there aren't as many uh, reputation risks at play, I guess. But um, And so you do see a lot of like single companies managing their own mail servers. But at the same time, they, they do often have to rely on third-party vendors like third-party anti-abuse software and, and blacklist providers. And so I guess no man is an island when it comes to mail servers. So you're always going to have some sort of expert to rely on and you really do need it to do anything efficiently when it comes to email. So whether you're sending through an ESP or managing, you know, your own mail server, are there any tools uh, or strategies or, or things that you rely on um, that can be helpful to, to decipher and understand bounces? Um, first, I'll mention that most major receivers like Yahoo, Gmail, um, Outlook, um, they all have published what they call postmaster pages of some kind where you can get a little bit of information about um, what to expect when it comes to bounces and failures and how to potentially reach out or create a ticket of some kind um, if you're having issues. I, I couldn't speak to how efficient that is at solving problems, but it's, it's definitely better than nothing. And um, Unfortunately, there's just hasn't been much information out there about bounces and, and um, what's expected across receivers. Right now, a lot of people have been relying on private channels. And so thank you for giving me this opportunity for a shameless plug. <laughs> We've been working on a site called smtpfieldmanual.com. 
So smtpfieldmanual.com. And it is uh, free and it is open source. Anyone can contribute bounces that they've seen in the wild, um, the SMTP code, the receiver that they came from. And um, I've been encouraging all my, my colleagues in the industry to contribute, and they have. It's been a really cool project. It's very beautifully done because it's done by, you know, Postmark designers. And so um, I really encourage everyone to check that out and just to see what's out there in the wild, um, see the kinds of variations, and hopefully that will help you when you're designing or, or editing how you parse bounces so you'll kind of know what to expect, even if you haven't seen it before. So just to be clear, this field manual, this SMTP field manual uh, that we've put together is literally our best attempt to kind of pull together all of these different bounce codes from, you know, major ISPs around the world. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And it's also been a big hit among major receivers. Like, for example, Yahoo, when we first put it out, they were really excited about it and, um, I felt kind of silly because I accidentally excluded them from the list and just bad oversight on my side. And they were like, hey, where's the Yahoo SMTP codes? Can we help provide those for you? And I thought that that was really cool that um, a receiver was excited about this tool and wanted to help contribute to it too. So it's it's definitely a big need. And please contribute and check it out. And I think we hope that the whole industry will get a lot of value from it. Super cool. And I'll, I'll certainly be sure to, to include a link to that in the resources section for this episode. So once you've created systems, whether they're systems that are provided by, you know, the third party ESP that you're using to send the email, or whether you're, you know, creating systems to log uh, all of your sending with your own mail server. Now what? I mean, can you kind of walk us through, you know, what do you actually do or what actions you should take once you get this bounce information? So that'll definitely vary. Uh, what you do with the bounce response based on what type of message that you're sending. So if you're sending transactional, for example, you may not um, want to suppress every hard bounce. Maybe um, a hard bounce, if it's um, a bad domain, sure, we won't try that domain in the future. But if it's a bad email address, maybe they just created it and you want to try again because they've created an account in your app for example, and you don't want to suppress them forever. You're going to try more mail later if it's transactional. But for bulk, if you get a hard bounce, you pretty much immediately should remove it from your list and never send it uh, send to it again. It should be suppressed. Um, the same thing with uh, domain reputation issues. Um, you may stop sending bulk for a little while while you're resolving some sort of reputation dilemma. But for transactional, you're just going to keep sending. Even if you're getting um, uh, bounces that might be content-related, you can't not send a password reset or you can't not send your purchase confirmation. Like, you have to try. And so um, so that can also change. <laughs> um, and then I'll also say that when it comes to um, parsing what's inside of the, the bounce, what's going on, like if it's a... A blacklist concern, for example, your IP is blacklisted. That doesn't necessarily tell you to take someone off your list, but it does tell you to take action and look up your IP or look up your domain, see where it's listed, and start that resolution process with the owner of that public list. So um, there's a lot of actions that come out of a bounce, and some of them are done by your mail server provider and some of them are done by the individual sender. 
Um, hopefully most of those are automated. <laughs> cool. So there's no, obviously, yeah, there's no one size fits all. It just depends on the scenario. It depends on the bounce. It depends on the content that you're sending. Um, but it does sound like monitoring bounces and responsibly handling them in one way or another is important, correct? Correct. Yes. It's a lot more important than some people think, I would say. And and just just to be clear, I mean, like, you know, worst case scenario here, if you're really not handling your bounces appropriately, you know, what what can happen? I mean, what does that end up looking like? If you're not handling your bounces and not doing anything about them, um, then what you'll probably see in the future is uh, your reputation will drop. Receivers will think you're a sloppy sender, which I would say that is true <laughs> if you aren't paying attention to bounces. And sloppy senders just don't get good inbox placement. They don't get good deliverability um, and they don't get good engagement. So... Uh, if you're not paying attention to bounces, you're sending a message that you're not a good sender and maybe what you're sending isn't really that important, isn't important enough to you to manage it properly. So don't, so, be, so don't be a sloppy sender. Don't be a sloppy sender. Have a, little, have a little respect for yourself and manage those bounces. Cool. All right. So don't be a sloppy sender. Sounds like that's the big takeaway. Manage those bounces. Uh, make sure you're tracking them. Make sure you're taking actions on them. Anna, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Yeah, thank you so much. This is my favorite topic, and I just had a really great time talking about it. <laughs> and to our listeners, thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to receive updates on all future episodes. And be sure to check out the resources section for this episode, where you'll find helpful tools like our SMTP field manual. Lastly, if you're ever looking for help with handling bounces for your app or side project, be sure to reach out to us at support at postmarkapp.com and we'd be more than happy to help. See you soon.